0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The Built by Bama Online podcast presents T-Watts and T-R for a Thursday, April the 30th, 2020. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you and joined, as always, by site publisher Tim Watts. Tim, how are you doing on this post-NFL draft Thursday. We're one week removed exactly, Tim. And I gotta give it to you, T. Watts. You said Henry Ruggs the third should be the first wide receiver off the board in this draft. And that's what happened, Tim. You crystal does that do you get crystal ball credit for that, by the way?
0: I mean I should, but I, I gotta feel <laughs> there's a little bit of an asterisk because the Raiders took him. When they took him, I said son of a, you know, because Dude, it was hilarious. I was reading like, that's such an Al Davis pick. I'm like, that's Al Davis is not around. Al uh, Davis from Henry, the dead. You cannot yeah. guess. Al's like, that's how fast Henry is. <laughs> Al came back from the dead to draft him. But no, I would, I would you know, Henry's a good. You know, I love Judy too. Uh, The draft sort of went pretty much as expected. I think we even discussed, I mean, the one thing that's the worst part of the draft in many ways is that uh, position value and Xavier McKinney was the, was the number one safety in, uh, uh, the NFL draft, and of course those guys fall in the second round. And we talked about that was a possibility, and he did. But man, I'm telling you, that kid's going to be a heck of a football player. Uh, overall, I felt like Alabama. Alabama did. They went about like we expected, right? Wasn't any major surprises. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe Jedrick could have been that first offensive line, but you know that offensive tackle between those guys they were looking at, the Louisville kid, the Georgia kid, the Alabama, you know, you know, you know, Jedrick and the Iowa guy. Those, they really were interchangeable. So it's really just like mm. picking your own poison right there. You know, NFL teams
1: still love those left tackles, first and foremost. And whereas Jedrick did work on the blind side, the Tanga Violoa, the last couple of years to him, a right tackle who is going to move to left tackle with the Cleveland Browns, uh, Jedrick Wills. But Andrew Thomas of Georgia, I guess that is what kind of put him over the top. And Andrew Thomas. It's easy to look at this guy, too, and think, you know, this is a 10-, 15-year type tackle for sure, whereas with some of the other guys, you're having to project a little bit. Tristan Wirfs of Iowa, I believe, was a right tackle. Jedrick, a right tackle. Uh, but it sounds like the Browns are all in on on Jed on, on that left side because uh, they say they're going to plant him right there at left tackle and, and go with him protecting Baker Mayfield.
0: I mean, there's nothing to make us think other than he's been a right tackle that he couldn't be a left tackle. I mean, he's an athletic mm-hmm. guy. He's a big dancing bear. He moves well. Um, you know, was you know, he's really mature in the recruiting process. We've never really heard a peep from him uh, in college as far as off the field issues. So I think that you know, I think the draft, you know, overall, you know, Jed sort of you know let him out there. Tua, you know, went as expected despite all those smoke screens. Goodness. Uh-huh. goodness. All those smoke screens, and, and um, uh, uh, he went—he went exactly where we expected. Well, so, who,
1: which of these wide receivers got the best end of the quarterback deal? Between Rugs and Judy, mm-hmm. Ruggs getting Derek Carr uh, with Marcus Mariota, and then uh, Judy with Drew Locke, the former Missouri standout.
0: I would go—I mean, experience-wise, it's it's Carr. One, experience wise it's Carr but I mean he's at the tail end of his career arm wise it looks like and Locke is a young guy with a big arm and a you know pretty good offense they're running over there I would give the benefit of the doubt to Judy now I will say the beauty of Ruggs is everybody thinks because he runs so fast you know there's a lot of jokes that Carr can't get it to him well they don't have to throw it 80 yards to make a, a pass play go 80 yards in Henry's situation they can throw a a bubble screen, two yards, and it can go 80 yards. So that's going to be one of the benefits. Also, you can put him in motion, line him up in the slide, line him up outside. You could do anything with him. So his versatility is going to help. And you can say the same about Judy. I don't know how Judy, and this is just me thinking of myself, I don't know how I'd adjust to that weather if I was like, you know, that's a South Florida kid he played in Alabama. He's going out in Denver. I guess, I guess they do make the adjustment. But to me, as a receiver catching the ball, I wonder if that's going to be an adjustment for him at all. Gets a
1: little chilly when you go play in Kansas City in that division in December, too, right? Right. Um, And and that's where Locke, though, I think you give a little bit of the edge is just strictly on arm talent because this guy can just make throws like Josh Allen of Buffalo, kind of the same thing. Josh Allen in a tough weather spot up there in the Northeast and uh, in Buffalo, but has those physical attributes to kind of overcome it. Like Josh Allen, I think with Drew Locke, you're still wondering upstairs, above the neck, uh, does it always register with uh, with Locke? But, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch play out in terms of how they'll be able to maximize the effectiveness of guys like Ruggs uh, and Judy. I, I do think Ruggs with Josh Jacobs there and the fact the Raiders didn't just stop with Ruggs in that draft. They added a couple more skill pieces to that puzzle, uh, to help fill out that puzzle in Vegas. Um, you know, whereas in Denver, I guess, Cortland Sutton, Sutton, a, a promising young receiver, obviously Denver likes to pound the rock with those backs. So, uh, stylistically might be a little bit different for both those guys, but I agree. I thought for Alabama on a couple of different fronts, Tim, not only in terms of the marketing that the program got once again, with the four first round picks, um, but they didn't lose everybody either, you know what I mean? Like watching that draft, I walked away semi convinced that if Alex Leatherwood had come out, he he would have very well pushed for a first round spot. Same thing for Devontae Smith, you know. So Alabama's bringing back more potential first rounders than I think a lot of places are too, Tim.
0: Absolutely. When you look at a guy like Dylan Moses, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. If he comes back healthy and plays well, he checks every box of a first-round pick. Jalen Waddell, of course, he's that guy that impacts on several different levels, uh, you know, on special teams as well. So he's going to be in the mix. So Leatherwood, to me, made a smart decision because this was a year of monster tackles. Not that there's anything wrong with Leatherwood, but there was a lot of monsters on the offensive line. Um, Even the guy, the uh, interior guy from Michigan that the Saints took was fantastic. Breeze, yeah. Yeah, really strong offensive line year. So I think it's smart move for him to come back. And I'll tell you, Devonta Smith. Nobody's really talking about him, but you know a few of us, some Alabama fans and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, that guy. When you go back and watch what he did last year, and, and you know everybody just sees Devonta as that's you know he is because he is. He's fast and he's smooth. You know he's easy like Sunday morning. He never looks like he's trying hard, but you're never really catching him. When they go back and watch him on his routes. And how quick he is in and out of them. I mean, they're obviously going to show the Stingley film, which is, you know, Stingley's a fantastic defensive back. Guards uh, Jamar Chase every day in practice, probably. So that, you know, that's going to speak volumes for him. But is going to climb up the list. He's going to be that guy to me that everyone's going to really have to take a harder look at. Um, and obviously, Dylan Moses is going to get a lot of love if he comes back healthy. I mean, that, you know, that's just a, you know, he's just a freak, freaky type athlete. Yeah, that
1: Devontae Smith tape against Stingley, I don't think another wide receiver in college football last year had as good a tape. And that's after Devontae lit up Ole Miss in historic fashion earlier in the season. He went for like 275 in that game,
0: Tim. Let me tell you this, if Stingley was on top of of Smith that game, LSU knew what was going on. Uh, yeah, Dan Brand is not some dummy. He didn't have him over there having his best defensive back. And let's be clear, dude, Stingley should be—he very well could be a top ten pick in the draft when he comes out. I mean, that's oh, he's going to be, yeah, he's a yeah. fantastic long. So it's not, not not a slight at all towards Stingley. It's just how good DeMonta did in that game, and he did it very easily. He so, did, um, and it wasn't
1: just the two long touchdowns. There were a couple of intermediate routes. You said short, his route yeah. running a couple of times. He put Stingley on the it's on the turf.
0: So he's so yeah. he's so quick um now the one thing that's going to work against him is he is thin and he doesn't take a lot of big hits but you know i've always been under the impression taking big hits is overrated i don't want to score and not take any hits so if uh i know there's an old school that says hey you put your shoulder down and get those two extra yards and i think that's fine for a uh a hey, Najee Harris, but I think with Devonta, he's okay Deshaun Jackson and stepping out of bounds before he gets tattooed. I think that's all well, right situation. And then with the
1: rules changes, how many big, big hits are these guys taking anymore? That's not to say they're not taking some no, licks. Trust I mean, me, I get it. But yeah. you're not getting dialed up in the middle of the field by headhunting safeties like you used to either, Tim.
0: You can't. It's not even close. Ronnie Lott would, know. He would, Ronnie Lott would stay <laughs> suspended. Ronnie Lott be more suspended more games than he played.
1: Yeah, Ronnie Lott should have been suspended for having his own pinky amputated during a game.
0: Insane. Remember that?
1: Man, those mangled old- that finger up and had him. He had him actually remove the tip of his pinky.
0: I and, think it was. Yes, those old stories. Good <laughs> gracious, those guys. I mean, yeah, everybody was like, "Yeah, there's a lot of drunks." Well, hell yeah, they were drunk. They cut their finger off in the third quarter.
1: Exactly. Viking and their hip pads. It hurt I would have needed it too. Exactly. <laughs>
0: hey, um, I asked Charlie
1: Potter about this earlier in the week. If you had to look at one of these draft eligible guys for Alabama for next year's draft, who would be your top guy right now? First Alabama player off the board in next year's draft. You had to make a pick.
0: <clears throat> you know, I would go with Alex. I'm a I'm an old school mm-hmm. offensive line, defensive line guy. Think he's going to do really well. Think he's had had a good season. Came back, going to earn the, that saving stripe where, um, you know he's been here, you know a little bit longer than some of the other guys. I still have to say Dylan though. Dylan's really going to be exciting. Uh, his film, his highlights are as, as good as they get, and he could go to the combine and blow it up. Now that's a big if. He has to come back from his injury. We have to see where he's at. And all that kind of stuff. And I think the best news you had for Alabama, you know, injury-wise, you know, on top of all the all the bad news, the best news would be that guys like Trey Sanders Sanders and Dylan Moses were injured so early, it accelerated their healing process. It didn't happen in November, for instance, where they're three months behind coming into spring. I mean, coming into the fall.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on a, uh, Leatherwood. I, I, I still, again, I, I think Alex Leatherwood, when I see Austin Jackson – from USC as a three and out going 18 overall last Thursday night, uh, to the Miami dolphins. I'm left to wonder, well, that probably could have been Alex Leatherwood in that spot. Again, you hit on it, those top three or four offensive tackles. That's not a group that Alex Leatherwood was going to penetrate and become a factor within there before the say 13th, 14th pick. But at 18, Austin Jackson went to the dolphins and, um, so I, I like it. I like Leatherwood. Uh, Patrick Sertan uh, at a position of value is going to be tough to overlook there as well. Those would probably – that would probably be my one-two. It would be Leatherwood and then Sertan right now. Devontae would be in that mix for sure. Uh, Waddle, um, you've hit on him. Uh, Dylan Moses, those they guys. That's,
0: and Alabama definitely has a chance to put four back in that draft next year in the first round. So I don't think there's any doubt about it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, you know. Even me, you know, heading into this draft. And I don't know about you, but I was so freaking hype about this draft. I had so much fun. Thursday. How much did you, did,
1: did you watch? I watched it like, all. all
0: of, it? I watched it all. all it. And, and to make it worse, I've been watching the replays. Um, um, <laughs> Jeez, I mean, Shoot, I mean, I knew I loved sports, but I mean, I'm not sure oh. I really knew I loved sports. You know um until they were gone so i mean i've been trying you know they got a korean baseball league playing for me oh, a, oh pro sports are coming back pro dude i've i tried to find out how to stream this korean baseball they they're have all a, coming back they have a Some 10 former fashion they have a 10 league team that's starting in may may 8th yeah. and i'm trying to i'm trying to find an app something i can buy i'm about to have me a uh a, a South Korean. You're gonna have to
1: get ball. you a Seoul Sabercats Cats jersey or something too. Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. All,
0: I'm there for it. If they're hitting the balls, <laughs> for drum balls, I'm there for it right now.
1: Oh, uh, I, I think I think major league sports are coming back. I, I can't tell you exactly when, but I mean, when you look at the TV numbers that the NFL draft did, um, you know, that's that's dollar signs too. Let me
0: ask you this about the draft: Were you did you find it awkward? There were so many. Heartbreaking, sensitive stories by every kid, and some yeah. seem sort of reaches.
1: Yeah, it, there, all, there were there were some graphic notations by, I guess, ESPN. The one on because
0: that, that guy needs his ass whooped. I mean, he's been a, you know battling drugs for sixteen years. This is a highlight of his life. Yeah, I, I get that. There's I get that
1: there's inspiration to be drawn from those type of situations, but um.
0: I think T got inspiration from it. Yeah I, think, yeah. I think that was probably pretty personal for him. Right. And that's all that mattered was that he got yeah. what he needed from it.
1: But no, um, And 22. if he wants to talk about that, Tim, and he wants to bring that out to the yeah, forefront. That's,
0: that's, you know? Yes. Yeah. They, to me, it was almost like they were trying to, you know, encourage. Before you individual.
1: go there, you ought to clear it with the player or and the all, individual. Dude, Say, okay, look, has, we understand yeah. this background with your mom. How do you feel about us publicizing it or kind of making it a centerpiece so, of your story?
0: You do not need to heraldo them and, you know, bring <laughs> somebody out of the back. You know, yeah. Jerry Springer with a special guest. These kids, I mean, their thing can get drafted. And think of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. You saw release when some of these kids were drafted. I mean, these kids were falling to their knees and crying. There's already
1: and, enough emotion involved. Yes,
0: yeah. you're already. I mean, you saw, again, you saw Cesar uh, Ruiz, who had, you know, he had a, a pretty good story, you know, right. his dad passed away and all that. And he, uh, I mean, you saw the emotion when he was drafted. Yeah. I think if you ask somebody a question, a serious question in a moment like that, dude, anything can happen. So, but yeah. otherwise, I thought it was great. I love the personal touch they 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 had to the draft i love the the you know and i'd like to clear up you know i've had a lot of people i've had emails and pms and a lot of people talking you know a lot of those kids are rich the minute they go pro they'll get they get money yeah
1: they get
0: they get yeah. credit lined yeah you know they can yeah those agents fund them money so it's not surprising that a lot of them were in a nice house
1: yeah and, and they just get it all back so and it's, yes it's not surprising. it's not free money
0: Yes, so. it's not yeah it's not surprising they were dressed nice and all that I saw so many comments about every school like what did they pay them and all that they you know the agents paid them those guys are multi- millionaires they really yes,
1: you're right as soon as they forfeit or they're exhausted their collegiate eligibility they are fully funded like pro athletes you know they the moment they become pro they start living like pros because of uh, you know the the agents, the financial advisors that become a part of their teams. Um, they start as you saw this with Tua in the endorsement deals. Uh, he was getting endorsement oh, deals well yeah. in advance of the draft. Yeah, so. that had
0: nothing to do. It was just funny, you know. I, saw, I can't remember who it was. It was a little later in the in the first half of the, the of the first round, but everybody was sort of freaking out because he was in a nice house and dressed nice. I was like, grow up, grow up. <laughs> These guys are worth way more than most of us. So move along. Well, we're going to move
1: along and we're going to talk running backs today in the Nick Saban era and got one that we're going to talk about a good bit here. Speaking of the NFL draft for 2021 in Najee Harris, but uh, you look at the list and in doing some homework for the podcast today and you go back to the early stages and stages of the Nick Saban era and kind of how the position began to emerge really quickly and 2007, Tim, Alabama's leading rusher. You, you you got an idea on who that might have been. In 2007, that first year under Nick Saban.
0: I'm so bad. Is that Glenn? I'm so bad. Is that Glenn Coffey? Now, Glenn was a part of that. But right how, about,
1: how about Terry Grant?
0: Oh, my God. Terry Grant
1: of Lumberton, Mississippi. And you remember Man, this my, because we're working Terry. together as long as we have. I mean, Terry Grant was a big deal when he signed oh, with Alabama goodness. under Mike Shore.
0: Oh, my god. Remember goodness. that? Yeah.
1: That was a big hit back in the Shula era.
0: It Southern Miss, oddly enough, that thought they were – he had so much pressure to stay home. And I was pretty sure it's Southern Miss because he was pretty close to uh, – was it Hattiesburg? Yeah he's, yeah, he's
1: from that area, Lumberton down there. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he – that was such a big deal. And the kid would say, like, man, I can't go anywhere without going to Southern Miss. And it was weird because, you know, even though then at the time Alabama – Recruiting is in Alabama, not recruiting now, obviously, but we still, you know, Alabama was still, you know, most kids would choose Alabama over Southern Miss. But he told me that's one of his, his story of being pressured was one of the most intense of any recruit I've ever, I've ever covered. So, and I don't, I mean, just people at the local grocery store and Blockbuster and all that were just, you know, telling them to go there. Yeah, really quiet kid, really good quick kid too. Yeah, back when there was
1: Blockbuster. Man, that seems like a thousand years ago now. That was just 2005 or so. That's 15 years ago. We had blockbusters pretty much everywhere. Terry Grant with 891 yards and eight touchdowns in 2007 to lead Alabama in rushing. You know, uh, Terry Grant went on to play a season with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but 2008 is when we really start to see the emergence of duos in the Alabama backfield because Mark Ingram comes on board in that, that, that just classic, historic 2008 class. You had Glenn Coffey go for nearly 1,400 yards on the ground in 2008, 10 touchdowns. Ingram helps out with 728 and 12 touchdowns, um, and that's really where it started, right? When we started to see Coffey and Ingram, then Ingram transitions into Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy, a part of that mix as well. Uh, it, it's largely been about duos through this run with Nick Saban.
0: Oh, there's no doubt, and sometimes trios, right? You find yeah, it just, like yeah. wasn't Eddie behind Trent and Mark at some at one point? 2010,
1: your top three backs were Ingram, Richardson, and Eddie Lacy.
0: I mean, that's absurd.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the weakest rushing teams that Sabans had. I believe it was third. Uh, the the third. Uh, Weakest—I don't want to say weak, but statistically productive, third least productive rushing offense that Nick Saban's had. 2007, his first one, uh up there at the at the bottom or down there at the bottom of that list. And even last year, uh, the 2019 offense, in total, as good as Najee Harris was, just in terms of total rushing yards with two and those receivers, it was pretty sensible that that one wouldn't rank uh, that highly either. But. Um, yeah, you had a, you've had trios. There's no doubt you've had guys like Bo Scarborough to go along with Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs and uh, Najee Harris to go along with Jacobs and Harris. So there have been trios for sure. Now, um, you get into Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, uh, and those guys. I wanted to get into so, sort of breaking these guys down from a superlatives perspective Tim because we could go through all the numbers and all those things but let's say it's fourth and one okay fourth and one and you're gonna hand the ball to one of these savingban era backs which one are you going to give the ball to
0: Man, it's so tough I mean people's all I think people are a little del- delusion you know disillusioned with Trent Richardson because he wasn't you know wasn't a great pro even though he had a really good rookie year he went second in the draft me, Trent, was a really great running back at Alabama for that reason. He was sort of that mixture between Ingram, a little bit bigger, thicker than Ingram, not as big as uh, as uh, Derrick Henry, but had that same kind of can't bring me down that Derrick did. So for me, you know, short yardage, it'd be Trent. I'd want him hitting that hole. I love Derrick Henry, obviously, but he's a guy, if you can get at his legs early enough, you can trip him up. Mark's great on the goal line, not that my New Orleans Saints would ever damn know it. And uh <laughs> But, but he, the
1: Ravens figured it out for you.
0: Oh, yeah, they did. Well, Ingram, Ingram, Ingram's career with the Saints is like that movie uh, Varsity Blues, where they ran all the way down to the two and then Drew Brees threw the touchdown. I thought you knew. I thought you knew, Mox. You know, that, that, was, that, was, that, that was my boy Ingram. So I give it to Trent. I don't see – I didn't see a whole lot of people stopping him, you know, meeting him in a hole and stopping him head on.
1: You know, here's the interesting thing about Trent was that you look at his 2011 – And that was his big year, obviously. He was really productive, though, as a true freshman in 2009. Um, Another good season in 2010. uh, Exploded, obviously, in 2011. And and he had nearly 1,700 yards and 21 touchdowns in 2011. Better statistically than Ingram was when Ingram won the Heisman Trophy in 2009. Uh, Just looking at it from a single-season perspective, I'm going to go with, I like Richardson for that pick, and he was one of my three for sure. So I'll look at uh, I'll look at Ingram or Derrick Henry there. Um, both of those guys are currently tied for the career lead in rushing touchdowns with 42. Uh, Henry had about 30 more carries total over his three years compared to Mark Ingram. I don't think you can go wrong with any of these guys. Bo Scarborough there at the end of his time at Alabama was pretty good at figuring out where the end zone was too. Uh, But you also have to consider some of the offensive lines that have been involved in this uh, as well. And we're talking about some backs that ran behind some really good lines, but I don't know if any of them ran behind a line as good as what we'll get into with, uh, with Eddie Lacy and T.J. Yeldon there in 2012. I mean, that was a pretty star-studded group uh, eight years ago. So let's talk about if we were going to throw the football to a back. One of these saban backs. you're going to throw it to a back, Tim. Who are you throwing it to?
0: Well, probably uh, T.J. Yeldon, I think. Yeah. Probably hit that guy. You know, I don't know if it's so – I think it was just what he did with that small – even on a short pass, what he could do. And, of course, I remember the LSU screen pass and A.J. jumping in the stands. Um, it was just what he could do with that little small momentum, you know, that little running start with even just a small pass and a screen pass. I mean, I think, obviously, at this moment right now, you you have to talk about Najee because, goodness gracious, I mean, that dude out in the open space, he showed great talent. And, he, and yeah. the thing is, he turned into a, a tight end pretty quickly a big tight end rumbling down the field there's not a whole lot of difference between that guy after he catches a pass and even a travis kelsey i mean they're out there both out there running a four sick at six at monster size running over you jumping over and running around you though i still go with yeldon i like that short pass Najee did great though yeah uh, it's a great point
1: those guys are pretty similar aren't they um Najee harris and tj when it comes to that aspect of their games and uh You didn't notice as much, and certainly the wide receivers had something to do with this last year, the departure of Irv Smith Jr. in the passing game from 2018, you were able to cover for that more because of what you just talked about. Najee Harris, as a receiver, uh, seems more instinctive and natural even in that area of the game as he does as just a pure runner. Yelled an iconic for the swing and screen against LSU in 2012 to – Essentially, win that game. What about Josh Jacobs? Uh, it was it was such a small sample size. It was pretty much 2018 that we got to see it, Tim. But Josh Jacobs wouldn't be a bad guy to flip it to either.
0: No, no man. He ran. I mean, thing about Josh is he wasn't just talented, but his heart, his effort out there was just super impressive. You know that guy. You know, for me, um, Josh was one of the most complete backs at Alabama, and one of the most fun to watch. Certainly, because it was it was hard to shine in that daggone offense they had you know you had Irv Smith you had those four wide receivers at the time you had Tua so for Josh to to do enough to end up in the first round of the draft and impress us that way that tells you I mean imagine him in a more AJ uh, fundamental offense Alabama's running I mean he really could have he really could have dazzled and again you're right the passing game Feeding off that running game, he could have been a you know he could have been elite when it comes to stats, but you know again one short year, uh, but it was a hell of a year. I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> You're not going to throw it to a back in this scenario. You're going to have a back pick up a blitz. You got to have one of these backs step up into that a gap, Tim. And here comes a Roquan Smith of Georgia, or one of these you know big time inside linebackers that Alabama, Brandon Spikes of Florida, if we want to go back a ways. Who do you want in that spot? You got to protect your quarterback. You need one of these guys to step up and take one to the mouth and uh, pick up a blitz.
0: You know, I love Ingram and Jacobs' effort and thought they were really good blockers, but the, you know they're a little bit on the smaller size. So the guys you're talking about blitzing, I'd want a little bit bigger guys. Henry, um, I yeah. don't remember him not getting laying his paws on many guys on many bandits where he didn't get them out of the way and protect his quarterback. Najee, again, has done a great job. Uh, And I wasn't, you know, when you get a guy like Najee, number two player, number top five player in the country, California running back, you're not really thinking of a blocker, someone that's going to stick his head in there. But I think he's definitely done that. A lot of Alabama backs have done it well. If I had to have one, I'd probably go with Derek. He's big. I mean, you know, he's big. He can move. He's strong. It's one of the
1: areas where, you see noticeable improvement over the course of three or four years with an Alabama back, because as you've seen throughout the years and in watching these guys go from high school to college, they don't get asked to pick up blitzes in high school, you know? And so it's a little bit of a shock to the system when they get to a place like Alabama and you've got a position coach like Burton Burns or Charles Huff or whoever it may be. Uh, and, suddenly they're in your face about stepping up into a hole and picking up a 250-pound inside linebacker who's got bad intentions. So it's usually the one area where I would say you see clearly the most growth, and I think Najee Harris has been an example of that the last couple of years. I'm going to give you a little bit of a flyer there. I'm going to go Damian Harris no. you know, because you know, Dam- Damian Harris, when you looked at him, you wouldn't have thought that. But the willingness of Damian Harris back in the day, just a couple of years ago, actually. But Damian Harris had no problem with the willingness part. Of, although I do think, like these other guys we talked about, it took a year or two for even that to sort of click in there for him.
0: Yeah, you know, Damian's sort of guy. Damian was that kid, you know, when you watched him, uh, he loved college football, and he loved football so much. And he loved college. You know, he was a guy, I mean, I've always said, I think Nick Saban had to, had to drag him off campus to get a restraining order. I think he'd still be at <laughs> Alabama. He loved it there, but yeah, that was you know another you know another really good kid in the recruiting process. And you watch him at Alabama. He never heard a word off the field. Um, you know his NFL career. He gets to the Patriots, who have who don't even I'm not you know their running back situations the craziest I've seen in the NFL. And I'm, what did he redshirt last year? I don't even know if he played in any games, but. Um, yeah. I
1: think he got in just a little bit, but, yeah, it
0: was pretty yeah, much a It was sort of a re- – I mean, that, that looks like a long-term play for the Patriots with the value, but, yeah, when it comes to doing all those small things, Damien thrived in that. You know, another guy that wasn't bad out of the backfield, when you know, if you could hit him, um, catch him, come around that edge, and that dude was a load. That dude was a big load. Yeah. Um, You know, carrying it. He lost a little bit of luster because of Josh's big year. Remember going into that Mm -hmm. his last year? We were talking Heisman candidate, first-round pick, and all that stuff, and he didn't miss it by much. But, uh, you know, Jacobs took a lot of those carries, sort of came. We knew Jacobs. We knew what Jacobs could be, and then he finally showed us.
1: Jacobs had the wow plays, too, in 2018. If you were going to put together a a hype video or a a highlight reel from that season with those running backs – uh, You're right. Josh sort of stole the show, not only in terms of uh, how he maximized his touches, but uh, the the wow factor involved with him a couple of seasons season ago, for sure. Let's talk about best single season duo. You pick a single season duo of running backs in the Nick Saban era. We kind of outlined some of them earlier. You had the stretch there with Mark and Trent. You had the stretch there with really small stretch. Uh, basically a year of Eddie Lacy and T.J. Yeldon, but it was a hell of a year in 2012 for those two guys. Um, Then you go into T.J. and Derrick Henry. Um, You had Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake. Uh, And then you sort of had that by-committee approach from 2016 through 2018, not only because of the running backs you had in that stretch, but Jalen Hurts as a a, uh, big-time option there in the run game. In uh, 16, 17, uh, for sure, kind of changed things a little bit there stylistically on, from an offensive perspective. So, with those guys in mind, give me give me Tim Watts's uh, duo of the of the Saban era for a single season. You pick just one season or a couple seasons, whatever you want to do.
0: I love the national championship year with Trent and Mark. Yeah. I just thought, I just thought they were yin and yang um, for several reasons. The excitement they felt. Uh, you know Ingram was you know you know was fire and Trent was ice I mean Trent had a cockiness to him that you saw out there Mark let it just fly you know he's still that way in the pros he's Mark Ingram wakes up every day looking to fight somebody for for his spot at the table which is what I love about him one of the most competitive guys I've ever seen Um, and Trent was just quiet you know Trent was just quiet and subdued and and that you know that Texas game, you know, you still go back to that. That was a good Texas team. Alabama dismantled, who still hasn't recovered. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, if Colt hadn't got hurt though, you know, oh so,
1: yeah, forever, yeah. forever. Yeah, that's it's gonna be
0: the seven-year injury so far. Um, yeah, you look at those two. To me, that was just the perfect twelve, obviously with Eddie. And that group, with that offensive line, but I'm almost giving the offensive line as much credit yeah. as the running backs. But that, that group led by Barrett Jones, where he uh, almost uh, headlocked AJ up 30 points against Notre Dame. That group, yeah,
1: Fluker, Chance, uh, Warmack uh, on that offensive line, ridiculous. Anthony ridiculous. Steen. I mean, you, were, Cyrus, Quan, Joe, you were going to run the football.
0: I mean, ridiculous. And, and you had
1: Michael Williams at tight end. And they you had well, a tight end like yeah. Michael Williams It was another offensive tackle.
0: Yeah. Went to the NFL and became an offensive lineman. It wasn't just they were good, they were nasty. Yeah. Barrett Jones was a mean shit. I mean, Barrett Jones yeah. would get after you. No, not dirty, but they would, you know, Fluke or all those guys. Anthony Steen, Shirley, They were a very positive group. Those running back – Eddie Lacy did great. Isn't that the year that the spin move really became so popular? Is that when it Eddie is? Yeah.
1: yeah, that's when Eddie kind of broke it out early in his career. But he was able to, you know, the 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 run against Notre Dame early in that game where he hit it on mm-hmm. uh, Monte Teal, the the linebacker with the fake girlfriend for Notre Dame oh, that plays right. for your Saints now, right? Teo, does Teal play for the Saints right now? Or he are you, does, he yeah, did? The
0: Saints. I haven't or am
1: I ever, or am I just imagining? Oh no, no, no. uh, he was definitely no, no. He
0: was.
1: <laughs> I'm falling for it, too. I'm trying to answer. Oh, the bad dad jokes. Here they come. Hey,
0: that's what we're here for.
1: Absolutely. We've got them. Uh, bad dad jokes. We've got them in surplus. You know, we, we're hoarding those during a pandemic. Um, So, yeah, I think statistically, 2012, Lacey and Yelton, they combined for 2,430 yards and 29 touchdowns. But you're right. When I think about 2012, it's hard for me not to think more about the offensive line as good as Lacey and Yeldon were. Uh, and I go back and maybe it's more nostalgia because it's the first national championship team under Saban, and all those things, but sort of the mic dropper for me, for Mark and Trent in 09 is that both those guys went for more than 100 against Texas in the national championship game. So Uh, And certainly you could credit that offensive line in 09 for a lot of that too, but uh, hard to go against Trent and, uh, and Mark is sort of that foundational duo there uh, just a couple of years into the Nick Saban era. Hey, as we wrap up with the running backs here on a Thursday edition of T Watts and TR Tim, what might've been candidates when you think about the running back position under Saban Alvin Kamara, even Bo Scarborough, I think even though, it was, Bo, that at the end of that run there before he turned pro after the 2016 season, he had the hellacious playoff run before the injury against Clemson down in Tampa. Who do you got there? Is it is it Alvin, or you got somebody else for us?
0: No, Alvin was such a good football player. And, I mean, they signed four running backs that year. And I'll never forget. The uh, last weekend, you know, the last weekend before signing day back in the day was the weekend to watch for because a lot of times kids had used all their official visits and you sort of watched where they were going. Well, Alvin told us, you know, and Alabama had a few top targets left and Alvin uh, was taking the weekend off to think about it, signing on Wednesday. Reuben Foster was at Auburn, huge Alabama-Auburn deal. And I looked up on a Saturday night and I was watching Eric Anders fight his first pro fight up there in uh right outside Mountain Brook, at that, I forget what they call that place, some kind of lodge. And I get a picture sent to me that friggin' Alvin and Ruben are up at Alabama in the cafeteria hanging out on Saturday. And I said, that looks just like Ruben Foster, like it is. I said, no, he's at Auburn for official. They said he left. So by the time I got home that night, the whole story is Ruben got into it with an uh, Auburn player, big offensive lineman, I forget his name, um, and went to Alabama and Alvin showed up. But Alvin... Was loved by that that Alabama staff. They loved that guy. They thought he could play. He was injured that year, and uh, got very frustrated with not playing. He's he's you know another guy that's super competitive. And uh, at this time, I think it worked against Alabama a little bit because he wanted to play that year in the national championship game because he thought he was well enough to play. And then after that, obviously he transferred, and uh, it was a logjam. But I can't remind you know he'd been in that backfield with Derrick Henry, who he signed with. Alvin Camaro signed as the fourth running back. Yeah, Tyron Alvin, Jones, Alvin yeah, Tenpenny, who was a hell of a running back. Uh, tells you how, that tells you how confident Alvin was, and he was a guy that could line up in the slot and do all those little things for Alabama. You know, and you know, speaking of that, we've talked a lot about running backs and barely mentioned Derrick Henry, who might be <laughs> the best overall back of them all. That should tell you what we've been dealing with covering at Alabama for the last, you know, you know, ten, eleven, twelve years. So. Yeah,
1: and that's what we're going to do now. We're going to – let's get down to five of the Saban era. Mm. Let's. Um, I'll hit you with my five, and then you yeah. can come with yours if you'd like. Yeah. I'm going to go Derek number one. I mean, he is UA's all-time leading rusher. He's also UA's all-time single-season leading rusher with that 2,200-yard season when he won the Heisman Trophy in 2015. He also – he essentially had 1,000 yards the year before. In 2014 with 990, I got Mark second, Heisman Trophy winner obviously in 2009. Those 42 rushing touchdowns um, in his three seasons. Third, I've got Trent with the huge 2011. He also had, you know, nearly 1500 yards between his freshman and sophomore season. So it wasn't sort of the one hit wonder uh, in some ways that that maybe he and a guy like. Mark and even Derek are perceived to be these were guys that's you know they were productive enough obviously had the big seasons fourth I'm going TJ Yeldon you know TJ had those sneaky 3,300 yards in just three seasons back-to-back 1,100 yard rushing seasons nearly had 1,000 in 2014 there with Derrick Henry and fifth gets tough man And you get down here at the bottom of this five but I went with Damian Harris and Yeldon, I went with Damian.
0: Had, Yeldon had like 40 touchdowns didn't he yeah, he got I mean, in the end zone a, a lot. had an absurd amount. I was trying to look that up. But I feel like he had over 30 rushing touchdowns, some receiving, and, a, and, a, and had a couple with kickoffs, right?
1: Yeah, TJ, just 17. in rushing touchdowns, when, when we talk about this list, Mark and, and Derrick Henry, career rushing touchdowns tied to top that list at Alabama with 42 each. TJ comes in with 37. Then you got Trent with 35. Yeah, 37, 37 rushing touchdowns. I mean, That's how- not – That's not all purpose. That's just rushing. No,
0: he definitely has some kickoffs and got
1: in the end zone a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, touch me. You know, I love your top five. I mean, I'd be very, you know, me, I would go Mark. I've always been a Mark Ingram guy uh, since he was recruited. Uh He was at Alabama, sort of as the tone setter. I think he gets a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for me because he's that old school guy who sort of, Put them where they were headed. You know what I mean? Foundation guy, no doubt. Like
1: Julio, like Julio compared to Amari. Yeah,
0: you know what I'm saying? Guess, it's I, kind I, of that I, argument, isn't it? That's fair, because yeah, that's exactly sort of how I look at it. Now Ingram was a fantastic, you know. A high, you know, we're talking two Heisman winners. I definitely have Derek Henry second. He's one of the most uh, impressive athletes I've ever seen. I've never really seen anything like even in the NFL when you do stuff in the NFL that people go, "Holy crap!" You know, you're doing something. When he's out there galloping, you know, on 67 yard touchdown runs, that tells you how special he is. Um, I'll go with Trent at three as well, Yeldon at four. And that fifth spot's really tough for me. You're right. I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. He had 20 plus, you know, it's only a one year sample, but man, man, what a year. And I'm also factoring in the fact this Joker would run 40 yards to block somebody, which is almost absurd. And have you ever seen anybody fake a handoff and run as fast as he could to chip block a safety? <laughs> I mean, you gotta have some metal, and you gotta you gotta have some you know you gotta have some want to in there. So tough. I mean, tough tough list to make. Well,
1: down the stretch of that 2018 season, Auburn, Oklahoma. Um, Georgia. He had plays where he just ran folks over. Again, like you said, whether it was blocking or running the ball, um, the wow plays for Josh and, on the ball and off the ball were were numerous. And considering the opportunities that he was kind of having to share with the the other mouths that, that Alabama was was feeding there in that in that backfield. So there you go.
0: I'll tell you what. What I find interesting is. I'll give you a little hot take. I think seven, eight years from now, when we're looking back doing this podcast and you're a lot older than I am, I think, think, yes, you're
1: always going to be. I think you're going to catch me, Tim. Dude, I've never, I've never, probably
0: passed me. I don't know how I've stayed the same age. It's amazing. I mean, I look just as good as I did at 20. So
1: absolutely. um, Just keep the same mirror. That's all you got
0: to do. Especially on radio. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a hot take that Trey Sanders, we're gonna be talking about him in this wow. moment, said and done. His You uh, know,
1: you know, here's the thing about Najee too. If Najee has the season he had last season, this season, he's gonna be Alabama's all-time leading rusher, Tim. Well, you're, and gonna, ha- you're gonna have to put Najee probably as high as four
0: on this list. At no, least and, and he's bringing back eighty percent of an offensive exactly. line pretty good to begin with. And two wide receivers to protect him. But Trey will dip into the dip into those carries. I like it. Healthy. Um, those three running backs Alabama signed are going to dip in there as well. Um, I know we had a, uh, a question in the uh, mailbag. Mailbag. About and, you know, I just think that if you – last year when Alabama signed three, the word I kept getting was next year's class is bad. Next year's class is bad. Next year's class is bad. And guess what? This year's class is bad. So Alabama went ahead and got three guys that in this class would have been rated even higher than they were. All were rated pretty high. But would have been rated even higher than they were um, in last year's class. So, you know, I don't think running back will be a priority this year. Speaking of the mailbag,
1: let's get in there right now. We asked the folks, our good friends there, on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com to help us out. uh, Provided them a couple of topics to uh, comment on as well there in the mailbag one of them being the last and we'll get to some of the recruiting stuff don't I promise you coming up here in just a little bit the last music CD you actually bought Tim can you remember that you know, which you one? know
0: I, I thought all night and couldn't remember it <laughs> and then I did remember it I remembered going into a circle K or something like that whatever the convenience store was and buying purple rain. Nice. Making my children listen to it with my wife because they didn't know who Prince was. And, um, it was just there, you know, they leave it by the counter. I looked up and I was like, why is Prince at the circle K discount rack? Give me that. And uh, it needs a better home. And we listened to purple rain. I introduced them to, uh, to Prince came home. They were pretty enthused by a couple of those songs and showed them the, you know, the Super Bowl performance and some of his top performers, so just a great performer. Um, I just wanted mm-hmm. to know that hey there was more than you know Bieber and all these guys y'all are used to there was there was real artists back in the day nothing against Bieber though
1: yeah the wife she refuses to join the rest of us in the iTunes era so I actually bought her a Jason Isbell in the 400 unit CD a couple of years ago uh, something more than free it wasn't for myself but. Uh, again, she just will not do the iTunes thing and, and save music on her phone and then, you know, do it or play it in the car and stuff like that. So she actually still has that CD. Um, I can't tell you, I can't even tell you with 100% certainty, Tim, if my current vehicle has a CD player in it, I'm being honest. I'm thinking about it right now. I don't even know if it has I'm one because all, 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 yeah, I mean, all we worry about now is USB hookups you know, for the 37 kids and everybody else in the car in uh, Bluetooth uh, to, to listen to our downloaded music. So there you go. There's the, the CD answer for us. Uh, also in the mailbag, we've asked uh, and we've, we, we, we kind of had our, our age uh, uh, exposed to us. Ham Bam says you're I was, an I was, I was born an in 96. Like okay. Yeah, right. I was born in 96 and have never bought a CD.
0: I hate it. Half our posters are twelve. Exactly. They amp, must amp. be signing up with their daggone mom's credit card. They're so young. They say stuff like, C D, you know, I was bored. <laughs> I was in a thread the other day and guys were playing against recruits from the like 2017. <laughs> I was like, I'll probably cover this guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Y'all couldn't even use the crown of your helmet. Don't even try to tell me about football. Uh yeah. visit you despise more medically the doctor or the dentist tim which way do you go there
0: look i'm a dentist pro i have the wor- i I have great teeth but i have literally abused them to the point all those sweets yeah Yeah. i'm a Willy wonka freak i mean Uh, my wife will tell you we were first married i'd freak her out because i kept a bag of skittles in the side table next to the bed, in the middle of the night, she'd hear me get a handful and eat them while I was sleeping.
1: Marshawn Watts or
0: yes, something. Yes, I've had, I've had, well, it's anything. It's I'm not a, I don't have sweet tarts, anything. So I've had six root canals. I've had Oof. two teeth. Oh yeah, two teeth replaced. Probably got two more that are hanging on just because they love me. So the dentist, when I go in, I know something's wrong because I don't go otherwise. I don't like going to the doctor because he might find something I didn't know about. You know, he might want to run a test on me. The dentist, and my dentist is actually a member of BOL. He's a great guy. And um, he takes care of me. But I know what I'm getting there. And I'm sort of perfected the root canal. I've perfected getting the tooth implant. i perfected that. Go to the dentist. I mean, go to the doctor, and he finds something wrong. And next thing you know, I mean, you're having them probe you like you're a space alien. Yeah. like, Like aliens have landed. I
1: like both my guys. I like my dentist a lot. I've actually coached Little League Baseball with my dentist. And my dentist, uh, Jack Smalley, played for Bear Bryant at Alabama back in the day And so I always enjoy the conversation with my dentist. And it kind of helps, uh, you know, overshadow the fact that I may not like what's about to happen there. Uh, I feel more comfortable, I guess, at the dentist. My, my dentist there at North River Dental Associates in Tuscaloosa, by the way. If you're ever in town on a game weekend you have a bad tooth, uh, you could probably look up Dr. Jack Smalley and he could take care of you. Unsolicited plug there for the old dentist uh, here on Watts and TR. Tim, uh, I like Jared because he chimes in. Jared Burns here in the mailbag. He says he despises the dentist definitely, although it depends on what kind of doctor's visit. Um, You know, obviously, Jarrett's is not a big fan of the prostate exam colonoscopy, so he'll go with the dentist. And then he kind of slides in there a little bit of a recruiting question, uh, asking also the likelihood of Bama ending this class with both Ja'Cory Brooks and Jason Marshall. Any thoughts on that, Tim? Um,
0: Yeah, I think, you know, this class is going to be a little bit weird to me because Alabama, you know, and that's just sort of how – when you have a game plan you know and you have let's get them to camp and you're recruiting a kid like keep him warm to get him to camp for instance and then there's possibly no camps there is no camps you got to change your whole whole approach i mean there's kids that are committing right now almost in a panic dealt with a kid last week that's calling his fifth school trying to commit um just i don't know just ready to commit but he's went down a checklist of guys doesn't really pertain to Alabama's going to pass on right now, but um, I think it's still they're, they're adjusting to how they're going to do this class. I don't feel there's a lot of panic with that Alabama staff. I think it's more of just, we got to be sure about this guy to take him, because you know what? If you take these guys and you don't like them, you're either stuck with them or you're dropping them in November, and you're, you know, you're, you're making everybody mad, so um, I like Jason Marshall, heck of a football player, same for Brooks. I would feel that Alabama's dead in the mix. I'm not big on making predictions, you know, as far as this far as in advance, but I think they have a chance to sign one, if not both. Let's,
1: uh, TL Doss, too, asked about running back recruiting. I think you pretty much covered that in terms of the depth of what Alabama was able to do with this 2020 trio of backs and uh, perhaps uh, in advance of, of looking ahead to this 2021 group. Um, we also have, from Ham Bam. He's asking about J.C. Latham and Dallas Turner. The news this week surprised Ham Bam to hear um, that Alabama leads in their respective recruitment since both were thought to be headed to OSU and UGA, respectively. What do you think changed with Latham and Turner? Was it perhaps Alabama's success in the draft, or is it something a little bit deeper than that?
0: You know, I have talked to several people in, I, that the draft, obviously it had a huge impact. I mean, Alabama did a good job. Alabama's doing a great job of social media, sending out edits with these kids. Or, I mean, when you tweet, you know, you've seen the tweet Alabama football tweeted out, Nick Saban and all of his first-round picks. Hell, there's not barely room for Nick Saban on the edit. They're going to have to friggin' make Nick's head <laughs> to keep him on that thing, you know. I mean, we're talking like 33 now. So they did a good job with that. So, um i think that helped but the guy with dallas turner george is in it don't forget there's a little bit there could be a little bit of troll factor here these kids are at home bored, bored like we are um so they could be doing that latham's definitely going to be a battle i don't think for a minute he's an alabama lock dallas turner's going to be a battle i don't think for a minute he's an alabama lock george is uh, involved with turner you know sort of borderline five-star guy more of that top 50 75 range jc latham's number one offensive lineman in the country now he makes a little bit more sense. Now, again, it's going to be a battle. Ohio State's in there. Uh, Georgia, LSU, all those guys are in the river. But Latham is a guy that's close to uh, Evan Neal, who's starting at Alabama, and, and probably pretty close to Trey Sanders. So that helps. And Alabama, I can't speak for his other favorites, but Alabama will be losing Leatherwood next year. So, uh, you know, you've got a guy that can, you know, come in and, and potentially play. So definitely involved with both.
1: Ronnie Bismuth asks about the – first team linebacker group around Dylan Moses for the 2020 season of course we're assuming and very hopeful that Dylan is going to return to his previous status prior to the knee injury he sustained last August if in fact that's the case then that's a tremendous building block with which to work and I think Christian Harris is still going to be very tough to keep off the field uh, at the weak side position I think more so at outside linebackers where you're going to have uh, some of your biggest question marks and that's where not having a spring practice hurts you because you were going to be counting on some of these early enrollees like will anderson chris braswell
0: drew oh, and Sanders. They had, was it 12 14 they had coming in early 13
1: yeah 13
0: yeah that's 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 the one terrible thing about this you had all these guys coming in and um i mean they're missing eight months and not just they're not just missing you know and i've always said the spring's huge for the coaches and everything, but getting acclimated, you went to college. Well, I went to college, everybody, you know, it takes a minute to get used to getting across campus, all the pretty girls. Where do I go to eat? You know, you are almost like the dude and a few good men where you're just saying, um, you know, you just follow the crowd to chow line at times. So um, that acclimation alone, you know, probably hurt.
1: Jam Bama, your boy, he's got the gauntlet of questions for us. We're running out of time here. So, We'll be selective we always appreciate the input from jam Bama. he's a lot of fun there on the round table no doubt about it um, let's see here what more difficult to deal with I think jam Bama's having a little fun here the gloom and doom Bama fans on the round table are the uh, Georgia fans that troll the round table uh, how do you how do you sort of break down that ratio Tim
0: well, let's deal Let's say Jam Bama should be in this discussion. My boy's a handful. <laughs> so he's got dog no, just kidding. I love Jam. You know, I don't you know, I don't think there's as many trolls as they think. I mean, you deal with people in your everyday life and you got the negative people. I think some people are just negative when things aren't going well. I know people like that. They're not trolling me every day. They're just negative as hell. So I think that's a that's that's part of it. I mean, some of them just see the negative, some see the positive. And uh, only see the positive, I guess that's the, the crimson colored guy, so it doesn't really bother me dealing with any of them. Um, I've been dealing with fans 20, 20 plus years, I've dealt with them in person at speaking groups on a message boards. Me and you are <clears throat> message board pros at handling situations. Uh-huh. We had a coach, you know, not even make it to August barely, and uh, after being hired, <laughs> so we've we, we've had some. We've dealt with some stuff, so it doesn't really bother me. And I know board members always are like, how can you answer the same question? You know, it's pretty easy. You know, I get in that habit, as we all do in November during the season, of answering the same questions, because everybody's on a different schedule. I mean, we've got a guy that was in Nepal and from all over the country. uh, They might be posting, you know, their time 8 a.m. It could be, you know, it could be 2 a.m. here. Yeah. Uh, they don't bother me. I love the fans. They're great. I mean, I wouldn't trade them for anything. If they're too annoying, you know, i, I, I give them a minute to think about it. So, the Tennessee trolls are going to be
1: coming if your boy Jeremy Pruitt keeps knocking out these four and five stars, Tim. Dylan Brooks, Kamar Wilcoxon, Julian Nixon. It looks like Terrence Lewis, a five-star linebacker from Hollywood, Florida, later on Thursday is going to commit to the Vols. What about your guy, man? Yeah, I don't
0: think – I think there's always been competition. I think it's just more personal now because the people competing with Alabama are Tennessee with Pruitt, Georgia with Kirby, and even Dabo at Clemson. Those are some strong Alabama connections competing with Alabama. So, I think some of the Alabama fans are pissed off. We knew Jeremy Pruitt was a great recruiter. How? Because he was a great recruiter at Alabama. Same for Kirby Smart. Uh, Had Dabo Sweeney been an assistant at Alabama, he'd have been a great recruiter at Alabama. So, I don't. It doesn't surprise me. Pruitt's one of those guys, different than Kirby. Pruitt's really good getting to know you one on one. Pruitt will remember your kids' names and all that stuff. So he's really good at getting to know the person and getting to uh, getting to be cl- close with that kid. So he really is a player coach. I think that helps him, especially when you're dealing with a small town kid like Dylan Brooks. Uh, yeah. You know, Pruitt's a small town Alabama kid. Dylan's a small town. Alabama kids so they certainly have some momentum but remember it's 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 May it's about to be May and December seven months away so I know I know Pruitt smart Nick Saban all those guys know the same thing who you got in May might not be who you got in December
1: Jam Bama as we wrap this thing up uh wants to know the number one thing you judge someone on what's that one thing first (laughs) and foremost when it comes to uh judging someone Tim
0: people you know I like I like a uh I like a good, you know, an honest person, direct. I cannot stand long answers. You know, give me that answer in as short as possible. I hate a BSer. You know what I mean? There's so yeah. many that will give. I mean, you can ask them if it's raining. If it's a three minute answer, something's wrong. So I like being direct, not too direct, a sense of humor. Uh, I'm the kind of guy you can make fun of me. You know, this. You make fun of me, I make fun of you. You know, it's never personal because it's never true. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't. You know, I,
1: if oh, you're sure.
0: if you're abnormally short, I'm not actually calling you abnormally short. That's kind of a that's not really joking.
1: I I the number one thing it all goes back to food for me, and yeah. how you prepare cornbread and Thank coleslaw. You. As crazy as that sounds, um if you if you can't do cornbread and coleslaw the way it's supposed to be done, then that's a serious character flaw for me. So it, it all goes back to me for uh cornbread and coleslaw. Simple as that. Hey, Tim, a lot of fun as always. Thanks for taking
0: the time. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.
1: Absolutely. See everyone on the roundtable. See you back here on the Built by Bama online podcast as well. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. Catch up with you again real soon right here on the Built by Bama online podcast.